0: Chapter three of the book of Ruth. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her,
1: My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do.
2: I will do whatever you say.
0: So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you?
2: I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian-redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All of the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie
0: here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, No one must know that a
2: woman came to the threshing floor. Bring me the shawl that you are wearing, and hold it out.
0: When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked,
1: how did it go, my daughter?
0: Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added,
2: He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed.
0: Then Naomi said,
1: Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is God's Word. Uh, Morning, everyone. If we've not met, my name is Matt Fuller, it'd be lovely to do so uh, at some point afterwards. And if you're just joining us today, we're halfway through this month looking at the book of uh, Ruth, um, hence chapter three, halfway through. And really, we're thinking in the book of Ruth, I think the dominant point being, the Lord is kind. The Lord is kind. It's a lovely book to spend a little bit of time in just to remind ourselves of that very simple fact that the Lord is kind. But let me lead us in prayer as we look at this together. Our great God and Father, here is a story which at first blush is um, well, it's one to make us blush. It's it's a little bewildering, really, Ruth's behavior and Naomi's suggestion. So help us understand quite what is going on here so that we, um, we apply it rightly to our lives. We respond rightly to Christ. We ask in his name. Amen. So I think... Really, the idea in chapter 3 is what does faith look like or um, what faith does your Redeemer, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ, require? What faith does he require of you? Now, it should be no shock. I guess faith is uh, central to the Christian life. Faith, trust, reliance. synonyms, really. But the the key thing with faith in Christianity is not how strong your faith is, but who your faith is in. So uh, a little while ago, a little while back, uh, uh, one five-year-old came up to me and said, "Um, my dad is so strong, he can lift a house. Wow, your daddy is strong. Can I just clarify, do you mean like a toy house, or like a house that you live in, a real house that people live in. Wow, that's very impressive. And there's something very sweet and endearing about that, and the the, the trust a young one can have in their dad. It is a misplaced trust. I know the father is probably physically stronger than me, I'd guess, but lifting a house, he is not doing. Uh, So it's, it's confidence but it's in the wrong place. It's hopeless. Uh, consider by contrast uh, a weak faith, but in the right place. So uh, a scared child being dragged to the dentist by their mother. Mother, why do I have to go to the dentist? Why do I have to go to the dentist? I don't want to go to the dentist. I hate the dentist. You're mean taking me to the dentist. But does go to the dentist. Uh, a sort of weak faith, a resistant faith but still trusts mum enough to go to the dentist. You see, you can have very confident faith, but it's misplaced. You can have a sort of struggling, stumbling, weak faith. But if it's in the right person, all is well. And while it's better to live the Christian life with both, a confident faith in the right person, Jesus Christ, Ruth chapter 3 is a sort of encouragement, even if your faith is struggling, even if it is eccentric, if it's in the right person, all will work out in the end. So Ruth chapter 3, two women place their faith in Boaz, the Redeemer, and he responds to both of them with grace because their faith is in the right place. Now, can I just clarify at the beginning? We jump straight in, and uh, this is not dating advice, and uh, some, I think, tend to read the book of Ruth as a sort of great romance. It's certainly not dating advice. Once upon a time, about 25 years ago, I remember hearing a sermon on this. It was titled, The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Husband Hunter, um, and um, it, was not even, it was terrible. I mean, you can imagine sort of how it went, number one, have a bath, number two, put on some perfume, number three, put on some clothes. I mean, just... I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, it's awful. Not that. But even a sort of more polite version of, oh, it's a bit of a romance, isn't it? You've got Boaz, the silver fox, the older man. You know, Probably you want to play him by George Clooney, maybe a few years earlier. But that sort of thing. And, and the young woman. And it's all very romantic. And he's wooed her in chapter two. Do you want some roasted grain? Ooh, I'd love some roasted grain. And um, with those sort of winning lines that Hollywood uses. Um, but not that either quite easy to romanticize. But what you have in chapter 3 is Naomi and Ruth are asking Boaz for redemption. Now, they do so in a very strange fashion. There's no denying that. And yet Boaz still says, okay, I'll give you your redemption that you desire. I think the point over chapter 3 is the Redeemer, he'll take flawed faith, as long as it's in him. And that will carry through for you and me. Jesus will take flawed faith if it's in him. Now, let me take just two minutes before we get to the text, really, uh, in the details, just to try and persuade you. I don't want you just to hear true and nice things. From the Bible, but just to be persuaded that this is actually what's going on. So, um, if you were here last time, it's, it's easier. But chapters two and three have a parallel structure, and I don't know, Patrick, if we've got a little thing on the screen we can throw up a little table, or it's on the sheets. Chapters two and three have a parallel structure. So you have the two women, Ruth and Naomi. Uh, Ruth, a young woman; Naomi, her mother-in-law. They concoct a plan in chapter two at the beginning, and in chapter three at the end of the chapter the plan is, how did it go? They come together again at the end of the chapter. The center of each chapter, chapter two and three, is an encounter between Ruth and Boaz. If you were here last time, it was chapter two, the encounter in the field. Today, it's chapter three, the threshing room floor. But both chapters are, they have this parallel structure. What are we going to do? I'll go work in a field. What are we going to do? I'll go to the threshing room floor at night. How did it go, my daughter? And they debrief at the end. The difference is in chapter two. It's Boaz drives all the action. So if you hear last time, Boaz did this and Boaz did that, and Boaz, Boaz drives the action, and Ruth is just passive. In chapter three, Ruth drives the action, and Boaz responds. The point being, in chapter two, the spotlight falls upon Boaz. What is the Redeemer like? He's kind. He's a man of standing. He's generous. Chapter 3, what does faith look like? Well, Ruth shows us it's in Boaz. It's trusting Boaz. It's accepting the word of Boaz. So it's where the spotlight falls in each chapter. In chapter 3, it's the faith of particularly Ruth, which is on display and you can ask more about that. But chapter two is essentially look at Boaz. Chapter three, look at Ruth and look at her faith. Okay, there's the difference. Let me just, one last thing, just recap where we've got to in the story so far. So chapter one, Naomi, the older woman, had uh, her husband, Elimelech. They'd walked away from God. They'd walked away from the promised land. They'd gone to Moab with their two sons. Disaster, the husband, the two sons had died. Uh, 10 years later, they come back. Ruth, excuse me, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, well, far from one doesn't. So just Ruth, excuse, Naomi, the mother, and uh, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, they come back to God. They come back to the promised land. But they arrive back at the beginning of chapter 2 friendless, penniless, hopeless. Naomi owns this land, which is not just a place to grow your crops in, in Israel. It's your stake in the people of God. But they can't use it because only a male can inherit the land. So it's, there's a, I don't know, there's a house that technically sort of belongs to you, but you have no access to it. You can't do anything with it. You can't claim ownership of it, because the legal system didn't work that way. So they have nothing apart from in chapter two. Ruth goes out to work, and if you remember, as if, would you believe it? She happens to work in the fields and go and work in the fields of Boaz. This extraordinary coincidence who is a relative, he can redeem the land. He can buy the land back so that Naomi and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, once again have some money and have a stake in the people of God. So chapter 2 ended on a cliffhanger, as every chapter does in, uh, in Ruth. What's going to happen next? we was see to get to the end of chapter 3. Let's just see what happens next um, is how they all end. But what is going to happen? So chapter 2, verse 23. Oh, let me read it. Verse 22. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, go and work in the field of Boaz. Uh, Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean the pond until the barley and wheat harvesters were finished. She lived with her mother-in-law. What's going to happen next? Chapter 3. And again, in chapter 3, Boaz accepts their unusual faith. And the point for you and me, Jesus will take flawed faith if it's in him as Redeemer. Okay, enough. Let's get to it then. Uh, Four little uh, sections. Uh, We'll look at Naomi's bizarre faith, then uh, Ruth's bold faith, Uh, then her Redeemer accepts Ruth's faith, and Boaz also accepts Naomi's eccentric faith. Let's work through it. First then, Naomi's bizarre faith, verses 1 to 6. So one day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. She's well-intentioned. Okay, It's good intentions here. Now, Boaz, um, with whose uh, women you've worked as a relative of ours, tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing room floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, go down to the dressing, threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Now, well-intentioned, yes. Good advice? No. No. I mean, what would you do if someone said, oh, I've got some advice for you? There's an older guy. He's eligible. Just go and put your best frock on and, and have a wash and wait until he's had a few drinks and he's a bit merry Crawl into the bedroom, pull the duvet off his feet, he'll get cold in the night, he'll probably wake up, and you're just there. If someone offers you that advice, can I just say that is bad advice? Don't do that. It's not good advice. I think we're meant to read this and think, what are you suggesting? I mean, back in chapter 2, verse 22, Naomi knows that this is a, Israel at the time is a pretty unpleasant place. Women, young women get harmed. And here she's exposing her daughter in law in the most unwise fashion. Dear, oh dear. Now, Boaz clearly later on thinks this is bad advice. If you look across chapter 3, verse 14, Boaz said, Oh, look, um, go up before anyone recognizes, and Boaz says, look, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing room floor. Boaz, this is terrible. You should certainly not have done this. It's terrible advice. All the commentaries will tell you that the the culture of the time, yeah, the threshing room floor, they've got the harvest in, they're winnowing it, separating out out the the, the good grain from the the chaff, but they'll all have a few drinks, and at the end of the day, and the work is done, and The threshing room floor was where prostitutes went, because there's plenty of trade at the time. This is not good advice that uh, Naomi gives her daughter-in-law. I mean, verse 4, uncover his feet, lie down, he'll tell you what to do. Yeah, but as far as we know in this story as the readers, Naomi, you've not met this man, Boaz. How do you know what he's going to tell your daughter-in-law to do? How do you know he won't say... Come on then, let's do it here and now. It's very poor advice. We're meant to read this, I think, and and, and have in our heads, oh golly, this could be a car crash. <laughs> this is this is the most stupid plan. I mean, the Bible has some stupid plans in it by foolish people. This is a really stupid plan. And yet, of course, the story will reveal that it works. Because even in the face of a really stupid plan, Boaz smooths it out and makes it all come together. But what you mustn't do is read this and think, well, Ruth and Naomi had a Darth scheme, ethically questionable, but it worked out, so that's all okay. So basically I'm here I am, I'm a Christian and maybe I'll pursue a unethical way of living, and God will sort it out. It's certainly not condoning that. Don't justify the the means by a possible end. So this is not a license for wow. Look, I, I slept around a lot when I was younger, and um, it wasn't great. But hey, now look, you know, years later, I'm happily married, and so God smoothed through it all out, and so it's, it all works out in the end. It's not. It's not condoning that, or perhaps one of the worst I miserably heard. Yeah, look, I encouraged him to sleep with me because I wanted to get pregnant because I knew then he'd marry me. And so it's all worked out in the end. It's not that, okay? It's not just don't think, well, Ruth did something daft and it worked out, so this, it's just saying what she did. And the text is pretty clear. This is a stupid thing to do. Boaz says you shouldn't have done this. But... That's Naomi's bizarre faith. Yeah, Boaz is gracious, but it could have been a disaster. A little better is Ruth. Ruth's bold face—excuse me, bold faith. Verses six to nine. Much easier to be sympathetic to her. She's met Boaz. She's met his workers. She knows what he's like. She knows the sort of boss that he is, the sort of man that he is. Uh, she knows his character. She has greater evidence that this is a man that uh, you could trust. So she says, okay, Naomi, I'll follow your plan. And so verse 7, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, we know what that means, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain palm Ruth approached quietly uncovered his feet and lay down in the middle of the night. Something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. No doubt, he's a little bleary-eyed and uh, startled. He's a little shocked. He just the, the, the temperature gets to him. And uh, no doubt, he sort of sits bolt upright. who are you? What? What's going on here? Uh, verse 9. She declares... And this is a key little verse in the passage. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, that's odd language to you and me. We need to understand that the culturally that is, it's a bit like going down on bended knee and saying, will you marry me? So I swear in the Bible, Ezekiel 16 verse 8, the Lord says, I spread my garment, I spread the corner of my garment over Israel and took her as my wife. It's, it's a sort of metaphor or, or a picture of proposing marriage. That's what Ruth is doing. Now, why the slightly obtuse phrasing, she could say, will you marry me? That I would do the job and be a little clearer to you and me. But she's picking up on what Boaz has said to her. See, if you were here last time, in chapter 2 and verse 12, Boaz has met Ruth, realized how kind Ruth has been in accompanying her mother-in-law. And so chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz says, "'May the Lord repay you for what you've done. "'May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, "'the God of Israel, under whose wings or garments, "'same word in Hebrew, you have taken refuge.'" So chapter 2, Boaz says, oh, bless you, you've been so kind. You could have gone off and married anyone and abandoned your mother-in-law, but you stuck with your mother-in-law. You're a kind woman, Ruth. Now, may you understand more of the Lord's kindness. May you come under his wings. Here in chapter 3, Ruth wakes him up in the middle of the night and says, will you spread your wings over me, Boaz? In other words, you know last, whatever it was, last week or a few weeks ago, you said to me, May God provide for you Boaz you can answer that prayer God can provide for me through you Boaz will you do that Now her boldness here then her trust as it were is in what Boaz has said to her previously I've heard I've met you Boaz you've prayed for me I'm trusting you It is a very bold thing she does. A woman proposing to a man, unheard of. She's a field worker proposing to an owner. Outrageous. She's a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. She's from Moab proposing to an Israelite. It's slightly shocking culturally. She's a young woman proposing to an older man. All these things are in the wrong direction. But she does it. Her confidence comes from what Boaz has said. May God provide for you like this. Hey, Boaz, why don't you be the vehicle for that, for his provision? Ruth is bold because she knows Boaz and his prayers. For you and me, our confidence, our boldness, if you're a Christian, in the Lord Jesus is because of his words, because of his prayers for us. Like a Hebrews 4.16, let us approach the throne, let us with confidence, with boldness approach the throne of grace, because we find there Jesus. So Naomi's faith is a bit bizarre, verses 1 to 6. Ruth's faith is bold, verses 6 to 9. What's going to happen? Well, verses 10 to 14, her Redeemer accepts, her Redeemer accepts Ruth's Faith, she'd made herself utterly vulnerable. I mean, all the power dynamics are completely against her here. He could just shout, wake up everyone else there, and say, Look at this disgraceful woman, look at this harlot, look at what she's done. How unreasonable! Everyone would say, Wow, you know, what do you expect? A foreigner. He could have been appalled. Ruth, I'm a man of standing. You've put my reputation at risk. He's kind. He's very kind. How does he respond? Verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I'll do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character, and I will redeem you. Now, verse 10, uh, the Lord bless you. This kindness, what's stealing my duvet, is greater than all that. What is he talking about, this kindness? What has she actually done here? Pulled his duvet off his feet, yes. Said, will you marry me, Boaz? Yes. But this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. What kindness has Ruth shown earlier in our text? In the book. Nothing to Boaz. The demonstrable kindness, it's referred to as the kindness of Ruth earlier in chapter, end of chapter one, is she stays with Naomi. That's the kindness of Ruth. She stays with Naomi. Naomi says, You stay with me, you'll never marry. You're a young woman, go marry someone else. You stick with me, that's it. You're stuck. That's the kindness that is being spoken of here. And uh, Boaz had referred to it uh, in uh, chapter 2, verse 11. I've been told of all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and homeland to come and live with the people you've not known. That's the kindness. So this is not here Boaz saying... Oh, you're oh, you know, as a really sort of old, doddery man. Oh, you want to marry me? That's kind. It's nothing to do with that. The kindness being shown is another kindness to Naomi because Boaz is saying, Ruth, you could have married a guy your own age. You could have married for love. You could have married for money. I know why you're wanting to marry me. It's because I'm one of Naomi's relatives. And if you marry me, she can get her land back. You're doing this for Naomi. I see that. That's why it's another kindness, a second one. So, actually, it's not very romantic at all, this section, this passage. Boaz is saying, Oh, what's going on here? Oh, you want to marry me so that your mother in law is looked after. Well, you're a kind woman. But it's hardly candles and chocolates, it's not romance. It's an act of kindness. And so Boaz says, actually, yeah, you're you're a worthy woman. So he goes on. Look, I I promise you, uh, verse 11, "Um, don't be afraid. I'll do all you ask. So there's wonderful words for her to hear. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character, like he is a man of noble character. You're a woman like that of Proverbs 31, the wife of noble character. That's all good. There is just a little problem here. Verse 12, although it's true that I'm a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll do it. Lie here until morning. And so she laid his feet until morning. He got up before anyone would recognize And he said, look, no one must know that a woman came here. So he's kind and protects her reputation. But you see the problem. Verse 12, I am a a redeemer. I can get the land back for you. But verse 13, there's another redeemer. And maybe he'll be the one who redeems you. But you see the threefold. The emphasis upon redemption. Ruth, I'm going to make sure that you get redeemed by me or this other guy. But I will make sure you get this. So Ruth's faith, bold, is accepted by Boaz. Her redeemer accepts Ruth's faith. Lastly, very briefly, Boaz accepts Naomi's faith, verses 15 to 17. Now, verse 15 is very lovely. You may not have noticed that. Boaz also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Boaz is sending a message here to Naomi. He's sending a message back to the mother-in-law, which is, this plan you came up with was bonkers. I mean, so eccentric, very stupid, foolish, reckless. But I'm sending you a gift, Naomi, to let you know that it's going to (laughs) work, to let you know that I accept your strange proposal. Because everyone knows, chapter 1, verse 20 when Naomi came back to Bethlehem, she told the whole town, Call me bitter. I went away full, and God has brought me back to Bethlehem empty. Here, chapter 115, he says, um, it's actually verse uh, uh, 16, uh 17. Boaz gave me this grain, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi has declared to the whole village, I am empty. God has made me empty. Boaz says, look, take this massive chunk of grain back to your mother-in-law so that she's not empty, so that she knows fullness, fullness is coming to her. That's what's going on. No rebuke to Naomi from Boaz. No telling off, you silly woman, putting your daughter-in-law in such a compromising position. That wasn't very kind, very wise. No, he says, tell your mother-in-law she's not going to be empty any longer. And the chapter ends on a classic wait and see, like every other bit of Ruth. Verse 18, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. What do you and I take away from Ruth chapter 3? Let me give you four little things very briefly. Boaz, then, he's a good redeemer. And he is indeed meant to be a little picture for us of Jesus, the perfect Redeemer. So four little things. The first is come to him. (laughs) Just come to him. You have in this chapter an exceptionally eccentric demonstration of faith. But he says, I'll take it. Come to him. Naomi's stupid plan, Ruth's pretty outrageous boldness, but they get one big thing right. They go to him. They say, Boaz, we're trusting you. That's the one thing they really get right. And once this is how you become a Christian, of course, you come to him. You say, Jesus, here I am. I got all sorts of mess. I got all sorts of problems. I may stumble into your presence, embarrassed, ashamed, but here I am and i know that the one thing i've got right is i've come to you <laughs> i've come to you and you're a gracious redeemer hebrews 4:16 again let us approach god's throne of grace with boldness so that we find grace and mercy in our time of need come to him that's what they get right come to him a second little thing trust him ruth makes herself enormously vulnerable before boaz but she has discovered the sort of man he is he's kind he's gracious she can trust him. Can I just remind you, you can trust Jesus. You can trust his promises. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. You can trust him. Come to him, trust him. Third little thing I'd say, well, enjoy his kindness. <laughs> uh, here in chapter three, don't be afraid is his response to Ruth's, Will you marry me? Don't be afraid. I'll sort this out. Oh, take a load of grain back to your mother-in-law so she knows that despite her stupid plan, things are going to work out. He's kind. He goes above and beyond what's required. Come to him, trust him, enjoy his kindness. And then lastly, wait for him. Chapter 3, as I say, they all end on a cliffhanger in, in Ruth. Things look good at the end of chapter three, but will Boaz come through? Will it all work out? And if you're a Christian here today, that's, that's in one sense how we live the Christian life, isn't it? Chapter three, verse 18. We have promises from Jesus. We trust him. Things look good. Will it all work out in the end? Yes, it will. <laughs> in one sense, the Christian life is chapter three in verse 18. We're waiting. Naomi says, don't worry, this man Boaz won't rest until the matter is settled out. The whole New Testament says to you and to me, don't worry. Jesus will sort it out. He will come again. He will take you to be with him in glory. Trust him. Four little things, I guess. Just pointers for you and me from Ruth chapter 3. Why such a strange or eccentric narrative? So we remember it? nothing more than that. God could say, come to me. He could say, trust me. He could say, enjoy my kindness. He could say, wait. But you read this and it gets in your head a little bit. And we have in Jesus Christ, one who is very kind and worthy of our trust. Let's pray. Let me lead us in prayer together. Our great God and Father, thank you that once again we, we read in this book of Ruth the sort of redeemer we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, in as a picture of him. And thank you that we know that when we come to Jesus, we find kindness. We find one who is utterly trustworthy. We find one who will accept our faith in him, eccentric, strange though it may be. If our trust is in him, that is what we need. So Father, for the first time or for us as we wait, help us to trust, help us to come with boldness we ask in his name. Amen.